Every one of us has a different story of the dogs we share our homes with. Every one of us gets lost among the amount of advice you hear. Follow me on this podcast where people share their real stories and professionals educate to make a life with the dog less of a guesswork. So, who are we talking about today? Your dog or mine? Hello, hello, and welcome to Your Dog or Mine podcast. I really hope that you missed me and I hope that you listened to the previous podcast because it was such an interesting one about reactivity, about pain in dogs, how that affects behavior. So if you didn't, please give it a listen. But today we're going to continue, well, sort of reactivity um, topic and the topic where expectations might not exactly be the same as the reality. So today I'm going to be talking with, well, my dear friend, (laughs) but also a dog lover, a dog trainer that I really, really admire, Lynette. And I'm going to let her introduce herself in a second. But we're, so she has two dogs. We are going to talk about one of the, one of her dogs, um, body, sweetheart, but he does have reactivity. And yeah, I think the reason I really wanted to start with that story is because Lynette was not a new person in dog training, was on a new person in dog behavior. So, you know, she was she knew what she was doing when she got a puppy. But anyways, without further ado, I think I'm going to stop blabbering and I'm just going to let you to listen to Lynette because it was such an interesting conversation and honestly I could just listen to her for hours and hours so I hope that you're gonna like it as always if you could click a we follow or even leave us a little review or if you find it helpful don't you know be friendly share this information with your friends share this podcast and yeah I'll see you next week Do you know what? I was thinking where to start, but yes. why don't you just tell me right now, forget the dogs, we're going to touch them in a second, but yeah, where if, if I just asked you to present yourself in like a few sentences, probably more related to like a dog world, but also if you can just mention what in general, what's Lynette about, who you are. <laughs> sure. So um, I am originally from Canada. And I moved to Scotland to start um, a career in teaching, basically. Um, I used to teach horse riding lessons, which is how I kind of got into the teaching and learning world. Um, Horse girl at heart, (laughs) grew up around um, animals my whole life. So I've pretty much always been involved with animals in some respect. Um, And these days I still teach humans. And um, I am now teaching a dog training class and doing a lot of training and sport type stuff myself. Perfect. I feel like, do you think like it's very, like, did you find it very different? Obviously it is different, but like very, very different or from moving from like horses to more focusing on dogs. Like, is it because the reason I'm asking it is because I know nothing about horses. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, um, do you know when it comes to training training and actually teaching human people <laughs> yeah. um I find learning very 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 similar so like all the kind of broad concepts of like motivation and reinforcement and everything 
really apply to everything. So I would say that training a horse is very, very similar to training a dog, with the exception of like the size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the horse world's a bit different too because, to be fair, I've been away from it for a while now. But this is about ten years ago or so, and. I think still now, like force with horses is really, really normalized, like even more mm-hmm. so than with dogs. So um, things like using a crop or spurs and, and stuff like it's people don't or didn't even give it a second thought. Like it was just what you did. Yeah. Um, so I would say looking back and what I did then is really different than what I do now in that respect. Like, I don't think it was as welfare folk like it was but like the tools and things that you used it was just like oh well this is just what you use with horses and I think a lot of people oh there's a lot of people that still feel that way about dogs but it was a lot more like normalized and prevalent I think there's a lot more conversations about it now at least where I am with dogs yeah I I was just thinking about it this morning because I was recording the trailer for the podcast right and I like I kind of went back 10 years ago when we got our dog yeah and like what information was available then and what's available today like it's just completely different to me it feels so so different because so different yeah even like all those sources as you say like it was just like what we used with dogs yeah. no one actually like discussed it no which, <laughs> which then brings me to like the main topic of today and I know you have two dogs but we're gonna really focus on body you're biggest baby yes. <laughs> um, so if leave everything like the the past we're in a second I'm gonna touch on that but what what's like body today where you're at today in terms of the training what you're dealing with just so people know what we're basically maybe talking about today yeah so Bodhi is a two-year-old male intact German Shepherd um he deals with things like he's quite easily overstimulated by specific things and quite nervous like he has quite a nervous disposition um so that has resulted in him being reactive towards certain things especially dogs um and especially dogs that he doesn't know so mm-hmm. nowadays we have made it to a place where I feel like I'm very confident in our training and our management skills. And he's obviously had two years of practice under his belt um, and he's getting a little bit older now. So I think everything's kind of starting to feel like it's coming together. And two years (laughs) is a really long time. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) he just became a dog, as I always say, like (laughs) just matured. Yeah, (laughs) like he's still, I think in his brain, he's like a nine month old puppy still. But um, (laughs) but that's why I always always see like Onyx as a like this adult like man oh yeah like the dog of a dogs and and body's just even though he's bigger he's just like a, such a suk like such a baby <laughs> a baby onyx has been like his wise his wise self since i brought him home when he was like a year and a half old honestly he's always been the same <laughs> um, I love that. but yeah if we had this conversation about body like a year ago my um general emotional response to you asking me where he's at would be a lot different than it is now I feel like we're in a much more positive and manageable place and 
generally he is like I would definitely still if you had to give him a label I would still definitely call him dog reactive in that he's quite frustrated he's a bit much he's quite bullshy um but there's much less fear in it and much more of just an over curiosity and a lack of social skills um, and a bit of frustration on lead but it doesn't impact our life too much anymore so we're in a good place perfect well, I'm glad to hear that. But because you started kind of like going back in time, why don't I just bring you literally to the very beginning? So you have Onyx, who's how old at that point when you got body? Um, When I got body, he would have been about three years old. Right. So adult dog. <laughs> Everything yeah. sort, of, sort of sorted. Let's, let's say that. And then you decide to get a puppy, right? Um. Can you just not maybe expanding too much on that, but how how you picked, you know, the breeder or like is there was there anything that you looked for? Why the German Shepherd? Just like the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. So basically I came from a place where um Onyx was doing really well in his training. Um he does therapy work with me, so he works in like public settings. So he has to have obviously a good level of obedience for that. And we had started um doing kind of competition style obedience uh, onyx just total side note has like a really he had a really bad injury when i adopted him um from when he lived on the street so basically his abilities are impacted like what he can do physically um so with that in mind i wanted to get a dog that could do like an all-round dog um with a lot of drive handler focused um that would like enjoy kind of activities and sports and be right into it um I'm quite an active person so I wanted a dog that had all of those traits um that was also generally you know an intelligent dog when that (laughs) like I'm I'm not like a an independent dog type person I very much want one that's handler focused so I would say some breeds that I was really interested in for those reasons were like a Border Collie, um, German Shepherds, um, and even like a Golden Retriever because they all have a good level of drive. Um, they enjoy being active. Um, I also quite, I like a bigger dog. Um, yeah. You can probably tell. From I was going to say that's probably <laughs> one of the criteria. For yeah, I, I like like a medium to big size dog. Small dogs have definitely grown on me, but yeah, so that in mind I thought border collies I know I know the challenges that people have with them kind of genetically especially here in the UK a lot of them have a lot of issues with like really neurotic tendencies that can lead to some serious behavioral struggles um and health-wise they can have a few things going on like any breed can to be fair though and they're a bit higher energy I would say than most German shepherds um a german shepherd's not a dog i've ever had actually but it's always been a breed i've been super interested in just because of all those things intelligent handler focused active they're really beautiful as well which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and for those reasons i ended up kind of going down the lines of i didn't want a full-on working line german shepherd because um i'd never had a german shepherd before and i didn't want to do like bite off more than i could chew so I went with somebody that came highly recommended by a friend of mine who works for Guide Dogs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a family friend of hers who has a small like hobby kennel and their focus is purely on temperament and health. So that kind of ticked important boxes for me. Um, and this person's partner is actually a vet as well. So see, coming from that background, I was like, well, that's kind of, if they both are, yeah it's like everything as you say yeah. like all the boxes are ticked the the ones that you look for exactly before getting a dog it kind of went down to so they came recommended by people that I trusted from a good knowledgeable background um they are part of like an assured kennel club scheme which means they'd had to go they've gone through like quite a lot of paperwork and visits and things which was another kind of assurance as well um I had investigated their dogs and their all their health scores like over the years and they were all very, very good. In fact, that's one of the things that narrowed them down. Um, their Bodhi's mom basically had the best uh, kind of health scores out of a couple other breeders that I was weighing up. Um, yeah, so I went with it and I communicated with her for quite a few months. Uh, I communicated with her for a while before Bodhi was even conceived. <laughs> I mean that's already so much more probably than most of us do yeah (laughs) so you can understand my frustration um then obviously as we've mentioned before Bodhi is not the easiest dog at all Um, yeah a lot of thought and effort and time went into me trying to be as sensible and prepared as possible um but yeah (laughs) so you bring that puppy back at mm-hmm. home and obviously like because you already maybe research maybe already knew before that a lot of information probably about like socialization and what to do what, what yeah. not to do walk me a little bit through that period until probably like the first few months of having him so what you were doing where how you were socializing him if you were and yeah just like what you've been up to in those few months after bringing the puppy back yeah so basically and I should mention as well on top of health testing I met like several generations of Bodhi's mum's side his dad is actually a pretty well-known kennel um in the UK here so I knew that that kennel was quite reputable already he was not on site but they have a very good reputation um and obviously my breeder (laughs) knew them well and I trust her too so on his mum's side I met like his mum his mum's sisters his mum's mum like oh dear yeah more than what you meet when you you know you start dating someone (laughs) yeah exactly and they were all on site like I literally was rolling about and playing with them and stuff like and they're really sound lovely dogs I was a complete stranger when I walked in and Bodhi's dam like literally like she like sat in my husband's lap and all of her puppies were like rolling about trying to nurse so (laughs) really nice temperament but yeah anyways going on to bringing them home and they had a really good experience at the breeder she's very very responsible they were in they lived and interacted freely with six adult German shepherds um grandchildren etc they were indoors outdoors all the things you would kind of want um came home from the get-go like I had everything like planned because as you know with dogs the kind of critical socialization period is really really um brief so I kind of wanted to get everything in um as much as possible without overwhelming him until he was about 14 weeks old and I got him when he was kind of nearly nine weeks so that's a lot 
Um, I brought him home, settled him in, and pretty much from day two, I brought him to like car parks to like just sit on a blanket and watch the world go by. So I would bring him outside of grocery stores. People thought, <laughs> more than once, people thought I was homeless because <laughs> I spent oh dear. <laughs> sitting around. Should have just like... put a coffee cup in front of you. <laughs> Might like, as well for treats. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like people actually like put money in my face and asked me if I was okay. And I was like, I'm okay. I'm just so surprised for my dog. <laughs> so yeah it was like it was a lot like every day I would kind of take him places and make sure that he was comfortable he would literally just sleep or like have a little play with me whenever people interacted with him I said that's absolutely fine but let him come to you he met strangers children dogs he met um appropriate neutral dogs that were friends of mine um before he was even fully vaccinated um I kind of I made sure that everything possible was in place we went on trains I carried him he was giant by the way like I actually I don't know his exact weight but yeah. his body was like at least the size of my torso and he was so heavy and I was also really really mindful of him getting sick and obviously the risks of parvovirus and stuff so yeah. I was carrying around this puppy that was like half the size of me um <laughs> lugging him onto like trains bringing him into like the west end cafes and pubs like honestly everything it, <laughs> yeah and then on top of that obviously the normal puppy stuff like getting up two three times during the night to make sure that he's like toileted and I was like I was doing all of this but seriously thick in the puppy blues like I've never been so tired in my life um so I would say on paper, he did everything that you would want a puppy to do in that kind of critical stage. So, but during that time, have you noticed anything like where he's a little bit more maybe shy in situations or is there like anything in particular that he's maybe unsure where from today's perspective, you could say like, oh, maybe that was the first sign or yeah. was it nothing and just suddenly we're we're here <laughs> so it was pretty drastic like when things changed but I would say as a puppy he was pretty normal like one of the reasons why I was swayed towards him in particular out of his litter was he was one of the first ones out that like galloped across the, the garden um, and then when the other puppies were kind of saying hi to us and stuff after he said hi and had a big cuddle he was then just like venturing off on his own and he seemed really like confident yeah. <laughs> and he's not he's not at all <laughs> but um so bad temperament uh testing on my part but um anyways I would say he was quite normal like he was nervous of he was weary I would say of things that you would expect like any young puppy to kind of be like oh I don't know yeah. what that is he was he wasn't aloof with people he was always quite happy to go see people he wasn't like a golden retriever like pulling on the lead to say hi to people he's always been pretty neutral but pretty happy to say hi with dogs he was really like normal and appropriate I would say is maybe with strange dogs maybe more calm and reserved than you would see some puppies like he'd never jumped all over dogs and things he would have a play and a chase and then I would he would come back to me and like maybe sit between my feet um, which I always let him do. He could recall from play. He would play off lead and interact with dogs that I knew that were safe 
in our local park and there was honestly never any issues in fact people would be like how do you get him to be like that and I was like smug you know I was like you know it's just like a lot of work doing everything um, <laughs> I haven't slept but my puppy's social yeah <laughs> neutral. Um, obviously we did like lots of fun like a lot of games a lot of playing um like getting him like uh, responsive to his name and rewarding him for engagement and stuff but but yeah no he was I would say pretty normal if not very good puppy until he was about five months old (laughs) so yeah let's then talk about that because I know that that was kind of like a bang point in your journey where where you realize that uh oh (laughs) something is happening yeah so before this point I would say my only indication that he was having some feelings about strange dogs in the environment was once in a while when he was quite small and we were having our little potter like around the neighborhood or maybe training in the driveway or training in the park um he could be a little bit starey um again I wasn't overly concerned because most puppies are really interested in everything and most puppies like they learn by watching and things so I didn't think that much of it and I would say that was the only indication that there was an interest there um and when I say he's staring I mean he would be off lead sometimes and he wouldn't like run over or anything it was just like a watchfulness um and when he was five months old it genuinely does feel like one day I kind of left my house the same route that I would always go except all of a sudden flowers blowing in the wind he had an absolute meltdown and <laughs> walked past a garden that he'd walked past many times like properly like cowered away from them and then right. hackles went up and started barking and shouting at them like pure yeah. danger yeah. <laughs> um and then novel things that he would see oh god forbid if there was like a plastic bag blowing in the wind or something sitting low on the pavement and then we came across a few dogs where normally, like I said before, he would have maybe looked and then carried on with me. He looked and then burst into like a full German Shepherd reaction, barking, hackles, lunging. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is quite <laughs> scary, though. <laughs> and like even as a as a handler you're walking and you're like well I didn't see that coming no not at all and by the way the first time I vividly recall this happening the dog was like not just across the street it was like across the street on the other side of a roundabout so it wasn't right. it wasn't like next to us and it wasn't pulling towards him or anything it didn't turn a corner and give him a fright he just was like wow and then you know kind of from that point forward any dog in the environment that he saw he would fixate on and then quite zero to a hundred fall into a pretty intense reaction so see when when all of this started happening like did you have any sort of knowledge did like did you know what's happening or were you completely confused and just i don't know like where because obviously now you have so much knowledge on like dog reactivity and how to manage what to do but at that point is that where you had to just start your journey into like (laughs) finding out the things or you kind of were at this point where you're like at least knew where to start or knew where to look for information like what where where were you at at that point yeah so I would say I was at a point where I was very much aware of reactivity and like emotions that drive it and 
general kind of this is what we can do to help manage it but I would absolutely say that I was that naive person going into this and I was like well I've done everything right with my puppy and on every German Shepherd forum I'm on every dog's reactive and they're all freaking out at everything but my puppy won't be like that because I've socialized them properly so I was very much aware of it but it was kind of in the back of my head like I didn't think that this would be something I thought well he's just going through a fear period you know yeah and that's um, what we normally would think probably because again around that age most yeah. dogs have it so you were like well I'm just going to be a little bit more maybe careful manage his environment for like a few weeks and yeah. it's just going to pass that's exactly what I thought I thought all oh, right I'll take a little bit of a step back we'll go right out to the park but we'll keep like a big distance away and see how he goes and you know look at that and the general yeah. like your, your bog standard stuff right um so I was doing that in fact we did look at that games from when he was first that he was brought home um but yeah I did not think that I was going to have a dog with such a strong <laughs> um emotional response yeah. to the world around him and it happened suddenly. so see like n- now let's just walk a little bit through your journey because as you say, you have a little bit of understanding, but what I'm guessing, and I mean, I'm putting, I remember myself in a similar situation, maybe not as, I don't want to say bad, but like, you know, the dogs that I was like, so my dog back home, she's dog reactive. And it was again, the same. I was like, just one day remember her starting to bark at everything. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but like, so it wasn't like, she doesn't have like as big emotions, but it was still a, a little bit of a shock. Um, and you start researching and at one point at least for me at that like and we're talking like six seven years ago I was sitting and I was I was like I tried everything and I don't think it's working have you ever had that point in in your journey with body like when you're like I literally tried everything I knew or (laughs) I think I know and it's just not working oh yeah um still (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah really really difficult um Bodhi is obviously like a huge dog as well even at that age he was quite big um so not only was it like uh emotionally like alarming and frustrating for me it was also like he was difficult to manage it wasn't easy like I'm not a very big person I'm like five two um and he was quite big already even at that point so even just handling I feel like I had a really big uh, learning curve with handling so as any nervous person with a newly reactive dog might yeah. respond I totally tightened up on his lead I was like quite nervous and tentative like walking around like constantly looking for like he made I feel like he made me reactive <laughs> <laughs> no but that's true like and that's what you see a lot when yeah People just learn to, you know, get stressed and like, oh, I saw I saw a dog and your dog just not even seen that dog or not even like smelled them. But because you're taller, you can uh-huh. see them and you start stressing out and the leads like tightened up. Yeah. He's Shoulders like, up. The dog yet. And he's like, Well, what's what's going on? Something's happening. And he's like a very, very um like most German shepherds are quite like handler sensitive. Like they're really kind of in tune with what you're doing. And if I was like 
very obviously changing my body language and acting really nervous like my heart rate's going up my palms are sweating he he knows like he knows instantly there's there's something going on don't know what it is but it's something I should be worried about as well so in that respect I think there was a period of time where although I was trying my best um I really needed to get a grip like (laughs) so is that where you started kind of looking for help from yes. others is that where you met I don't know the behaviorist or or any like if you can remember so no no <laughs> um what I did was I was in a bit of a this was at the time where COVID was still affecting classes and things a lot like a lot of yeah. classes and um training experience had not reopened um or were like really limited and stuff um and I wasn't involved with any so all of my training I'd done with Onyx I'd done like quite independently um because there were no kind of like sport level obedience classes around me so I just kind of did everything myself but yeah with Bodhi um I was in a period of time where I feel like I was still like in denial and I was like I know I'm doing everything right like I read a lot I was big on kind of research I followed like a lot of really the skilled trainers um and people and podcasts that were they're, they're really quality information to be fair but I was missing like um I did and I did take classes online I should say so I took Gracia Stewart's um that so behavior adjustment training mm-hmm. I took an online course with her for that and bought the book as well that really helped with my handling skills especially um I did a course through Fenzy Dog Sport Academy with Amy Cook on um, play for like fearful and reactive dogs and implementing yeah. that. So basically like another kind of management skill and under- understanding your dog's thresholds and things better and their emotions. Um, I read a lot, like a lot, a lot. But um, I did webinars and things, but I think I got to the point when he was about a year old and honestly those few months felt (laughs) like years like uh I do really wish that I just reached out to people sooner instead of being I don't know I don't know if like proud's the right word but I think like like going to a behaviorist is almost like you're like admitting that your dog has a serious problem and I was like no it's just he's just an adolescent yeah that is true like I feel like even well behaviors it's like it's the same well well, I, I think we we think about psychologists and and psychiatrists and like therapy people. You're like, if you say you're going to therapy, everyone instantly assumes that you're something's really wrong with your head. Yeah, so, and do you know so what? It's like, the same. Aha! Uh-huh. And I feel like coming from me, like you know me, I'm quite like an open person, and I'm all for like self help and stuff. So I think in retrospect looking back I'm like that's really silly like that I felt that way but you can so easily see how people get like really really isolated and like end up going to rehoming because it's actually really really it's a difficult thing to go through you feel really hopeless and isolated and then on top of that you're you like lose all of your confidence because the general public are not knowledgeable or accepting (laughs) of any sort of dog hooliganism um when you're actually trying to train and 
to them, it just looks like your dog is feral. Well, it's, it's it's also the dog size or like the type of dog, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You're going to have a different reaction if you're walking with a chihuahua who's mm-hmm. acting the same. And if you're walking with a big German shepherd. Yeah. Like... People are like properly mean. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that was like quite hard as well. And I think maybe added to like my feelings of being like, no, I can do this and trying to, you know, um, bubble wrap Bode and kind of preserve my small sense of pride but around a year old I ended up reaching out to a behavioralist that I know um or that I found out about basically she kind of all of her values like really aligned with mine from the start I've always taken an approach um of just like reward based learning with such a nervous dog as well and she's so so sensitive um not that I use things like force and tools in my training with my other dog either, but it really would have negatively impacted um, Bodhi. I understand the why people lean towards it because it's very hard to manage such a big dog who's having such strong feelings. But um, I was really, really set in my ways and it mattered a lot to me like um, ethically not to go down that route so I found a behavioralist whose like values really aligned with mine and I met up with her Um, at this point Bodhi did have like a couple of dog friends that he had known since since puppyhood so he still Mm -hmm. did have social interactions with them and he's always been absolutely fine with my dog at home in fact my dog my other dog is like quite a bully and Bodhi doesn't even (laughs) tally he's such a baby but um so he did have like some social circles, very limited, as you can imagine. And I was absolutely terrified to like take any next steps besides like fluttering about the edges of a park of a dog that's calm yeah. and on speed, but you know, not ever going close enough to like really work through and desensitize him. Um, yeah. We could only go so far like around the general public and, you know. So anyways, I reached out to her and explains what we had tried which as you mentioned before honestly like pretty much everything um and she was like right I understand like everything that you've been trying and going through she was like that's like a really good start but she was like I think for this instead of just meeting you and Bodhi I'm going to bring my stooge dog and right it's like I think that your next step is to for us to like assess him and see right how does he actually feel um if it's appropriate greeting that dog and she's like and I think we should go from there understanding him better giving you more confidence and then we can kind of plan how to move forward from that and I was like right okay (laughs) (laughs) wait did you freak out um what's that sorry did you freak out? Yeah, but uh, like yeah. I was like sweating. Um, <laughs> so Bodhi, he's always been quite good with people, to be honest. The only people that he reacts to is, I would say, pretty normal for a dog, like kind of alarm barking if someone walks up suddenly into his space or things. But so it was really just the focus on other dogs. Um, so we met my behavioralist, got out of the guitar, uh, got out of the car with Bodhi. And he gives her a nice, like, waggy, happy hello. And we chit-chatted for a while. She gave him some chicken. So everyone set off on a good foot. I'm still, like, trying to calm myself down because I know that she's going to bring out her dog. 
Yeah. Um, and at, at this point, very much like if Bodie kind of saw a dog within over 20, like 20 meters plus, he Oof. would just like zero to 100, full on barking, pulling, lunging. So I could manage him um, and use management like very much as a tool to keep his mind off of it to get out of a situation. But if I were to let him think for himself, he would absolutely make the decision to just fixate and go tip right over um <laughs> so she was like i'm going to take my lovely border collie over here and she was like and i just want you to approach us and she was like that she was like there's obviously like a lot of frustration as well so she kind of talked me through like how to handle my lead when to pause when to reward when to continue and she was like see if he bursts out barking she was like just chill she's like you're at a far distance relax your lead and she said yeah. if he slightly turns his head away toss a cheat in that direction reward him for that but she was like don't move back because something i was subconsciously doing was constantly reinforcing him for moving away from triggers when he's very 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 interested in investigating them so it was causing even more conflict um anyways yeah so we made our way and of course he exploded and started barking but having her there to just be like no worries she's like look my dog's not fussed at all he's just like sniffing the grass absolute angel and mm -hmm. she's like just relax and she's like when you're both calm um, and he's calm and he's loose on the lead you can carry on um, and we got all the way up to them my heart is like actually in my throat at this point <laughs> Um, the last like few feet he like properly pulled me towards him but he wasn't like barking or growling at this point he was just diving in for a sniff and yeah. she was I'm just gonna keep my dog busy you let him have a sniff and then we're just gonna start walking and I was like Jesus oh my god what <laughs> um, <laughs> but um we did and he I mean his tail was right up uh, and his hackles were up and he was very very over interested um but he had a, an intense sniff of this lovely dog. And then we kind of scattered a few treats. He was able to kind of look away from me and look back. And then we just started parallel walking. And actually he did have an eye on the dog like the whole time, but there were no outbursts. He was really calm. I was able to like reinforce all of his good choices and chit chat with the behavioralist. Um, there was a lot of other dogs in the park actually around us at this time and I think it just really opened my eyes to like right this is possible yeah but you <laughs> um, just needed that little push I really needed you. like the comfort of having a professional look at my dog and see the first thing she said to me after their initial interaction is and I'll never forget she turned to me and she said Lynette Bodhi is a lover not a fighter and honestly like it sounds so silly but I knew my dog and I'd obviously like we live with another dog and things and he'd never been like aggressive um or never showed any intent of like hurting anybody but there's always that in the back of your mind you're like what but what if what if like his he's yeah. so emotional I'm like well what if he just dives in and goes for a dog and I was so scared of like meeting her and having her say to me this is a serious problem and we need to now think about like he was mu he is muzzle trained as well I did that from when he was a puppy but like wearing a muzzle in public and stuff like there's such a fear that she was gonna say something like that and I just yeah. 
I was like, okay, cool. She's a professional. So she <laughs> thinks that <laughs> this is going a good way. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That probably sounds like a dream for a lot of people that might be listening to this episode. Honestly, like if anybody's on the fence about reaching out to like a qualified professional, all they're going to do is make you feel less alone reassure you and give you opportunities where you can feel successful and your dog can be successful and I can't even like I've been able to now do that with people and their dogs and like for me it was such a game changer and it's so valuable so see the one thing I really want to touch though on is because we we talk a lot about the expectations versus reality yeah (laughs) Um, and we kind of spoke about it yeah like you know you've done everything right with your puppy it turned out to be in you know this situation but because you do sports and because you mentioned at the very beginning that you wanted a dog who could do probably continue doing those sports that you already were involved in how did that like all the story like bodies reactions and and things like that how did that change if in any way um where you like where you are now in terms of like the sports side of it and in terms of those expectations where you wanted to do with your dog and what you're doing maybe now yeah um so there was a really hard hitting point where so I had done I I have been in the background of all this kind of behavior modification stuff going on um like all of my training sessions with my dog because I really enjoyed it and he enjoyed it as well have always been like kind of competitive obedience style skills. Um, so I had this like beautiful young puppy who I had all these dreams um, yeah. about like bringing him to obedience competitions and doing so well because he's he's really good and he really, really enjoys it. He has like a beautiful heel. He's so happy, like oh. working and learning. I experience that, I can assure everyone. Yeah. Amazing <laughs> to have him on your side. <laughs> He's oh, he's just like honestly, skills wise in like obedience, he's an absolute dream, and he really enjoys it. And he was kind of everything. Like if I could take all the rest of the nonsense out of the picture and just focus on, on that, that is one of the things I think that helps me get through um the really hard times. We would train, uh, these kind of high level skills in environments where he was comfortable. And it made us both feel really successful. And I did have people say to me, like, why are you doing that if your dog's, like, reactive? Like, it wouldn't be safe to take him to an obedience competition. And I was like, do you know, at this point, it's not actually really about that. It was, like, bonding with him and learning about each other more. And it was a nice context. But um, it was very hard hitting for me to be like, right, I've gone through all of this to find a dog that ticked all these boxes to be my next dog to compete with. And at that point, I didn't even know if he was going to be a dog that I could walk around my neighborhood with. And that was so hard. Um, And I had to kind of completely change like all of my expectations. Um, And it was devastating. Like, honestly, it was really, really hard to swallow. So me being me, I like learning new things and I love training. I kind of, I never took a step back with like his obedience training kind of at home in different environments. Obviously competing is off the table um, and still is, to be fair. I don't think that he would cope in that environment at all at this point. Yeah. Um, and 
his obedience is all off lead and the rings aren't even <laughs> like enclosed it wouldn't be safe either um so that's like a big no-no so i thought right what else can i do with this dog um so we carried on that like in our own time and i started looking into scent detection um it wasn't something it was something i always knew about but i'd never done anything with it and I started chatting to a girl that I know who does nose work with her reactive Australian Shepherd. Um, and it, it she really inspired me and she was like, oh, try this, this and this. And she kind of like got me started with the basics and I really quickly got super into it. Um, and Bodhi absolutely loved it. So we ended up, um, the behaviorals that I went to, she has, uh, there's another behavioralist and trainer that she works with a lot and runs a lot of classes with. And I initially went to that consultation with the outlook of joining a reactive dog class that they offer. But she said, um, Bodhi would benefit more from just like working in the context of other dogs because we already did so much of the like management and handling like we are further along that way if you know what I mean um, yeah and other handlers would have been focusing on that and then you think about having a reactive dog with other reactive dogs in the class for a context probably like not the best for him to learn that other dogs aren't the biggest deal yeah so um we ended up joining the other instructors scent work class so she does like sniffer dog UK levels so we started off in her bronze level class and it was outdoors in a field and I was quite nervous doing that as well. So we'd done like quite a few introductions to like other trainers dogs and things at this point. So he had like, I think we both had progressed quite a lot in our confidence. Um, and then this scent work class was out in a big enclosed field. So, and there was only four dogs in the class. So really manageable situation with him. And it was really, really good in fact. The two of those dogs were quite dog reactive as well, but Bodhi, like, I think in in comparison with them, he almost seemed like he wasn't, and it made me feel so much better. <laughs> um, I love that. He was able to work next to the, the other dog, other than those two, and Bodhi was a really lovely lab um, who is a really, like, kind and chatty and, like, easy to relate to handler. Um, and everyone the class was really really well run and she was like really sensitive to Bodhi's needs and things and her dog was quite not dog neutral she's a young lab so she wasn't like dog neutral but she wasn't dog reactive at all um, and she wasn't like hyper interested either so we actually ended up working quite closely and it was really nice to see him throwing himself into like searching while another dog was right beside him and we were like swapping like search areas and sharing resources and things and by the end of that class we could actually like go for a stroll around the fields with our two dogs together and it was like absolutely fine and then we actually managed to progress to the next level which was in like an indoor smaller area um to the silver level and we've started doing scent work trials as well which he's done really well at and it's been so nice to see him successful at something that it was never really something I thought about and I almost love it more than other things or at least equally <laughs> yeah I, I'm just thinking it's so nice like in general to know when like you can have two dogs two different dogs and they lead you to such different kind of disciplines or different things because yeah. it's it's the same you know 
it just seemed like what I was always all about, you know, just the what well, you would call basic obedience or like good manners and then and things yeah. like that. And then you talk to someone and you find out so listen, Zira's nose is the worst. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> She's not an org dog, but even like, you know, we tried the the bits of that. And and it's still so enjoyable. And I would have never tried if like if I didn't have her, probably. Yeah, because I mean, you sometimes get in a bit of a pickle where your <laughs> your options do get a little bit limited, and it's been really nice to give him an outlet that's obviously so um, enjoyable for him. Like it gives him such an outlet for his kind of searching and and sniffing, and he's quite an intense dog, and he really really enjoys learning. Um, and then we also started man trailing as well. Um, which confidence-wise, I feel like has made a massive difference. So men trailing is similar to scent work in that it's very individual. Like there's no interactions with other dogs. Um, but again, it's it was working with a group of people. The instructor's like very, very experienced and skilled, and she's so such a comfort as well and such a cheerleader. Um, so men- just a wee note in terms of like if, if people don't know what man trailing is, that is searching for people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like. It's like if you imagine a search and rescue dog who finds missing people, but as a game, like as a sport. Yeah. Um, and m- not all, but I would say definitely more than 50% of the dogs that go men trailing have various like behavioral struggles. So they're like human reactive or dog reactive or just like environmentally a bit nervous, um, like going new places and things. And honestly, like, having a people who cannot relate to you working with you and supporting you is so beneficial and be like the difference in the dogs um is actually so inspiring like it, it's been so nice and Bodhi's really enjoyed it he um like I said he's he's mostly fine with people if someone's like acting weird like standing and staring at him uh yeah but I would bark as well yeah he doesn't like- <laughs> well in situations like that and he can get a little bit worried sometimes but it's been really good like because people hide and so they're like in weird places and it's all driven by the dog because obviously they're pulling they're following a trail and pulling you and at the end the stranger's the person who presents the dog with their reward which for Bodhi is like smelly gross like sticky fish in a big Upperware, so it's like a really really high value um and all the people are just really really appropriate with dogs so they they don't get a fright if they do get a fright they can like safely investigate the situation um it's really amazing and some of the handlers that i met at the start um were like too scared to even let their dog physically reach the person because the dog had I don't know if he had a bite history but he certainly had like an inclination to bite um and he was quite like zero to a hundred about it and they were very very nervous like (laughs) laid really tight like you could tell and they were like right that's fine you can just leave that there like just really on it and I ran into the or I went to a camp with them like a dog sport camp where we went men trailing and did hoopers and all these things they brought the dog camping and you should have seen the difference in them walking around like dog was on a long line just loosely interacting with all these strangers everyone was so at ease and the confidence was just amazing yeah I think that sorry continue yeah no just basically like 
it's another thing that I never would have done if I didn't have Bodhi and I think it could really be life-changing for so many dogs and their people. Yeah, because it kind of brings you back to that the same point that we were talking about before where like it all comes down as well to a handler because if you never try if you're never around the people who can encourage you or like professionally advise you to try you know go closer or like do this and that and like if all these activities they would never see that their dog is actually capable of more than they probably think yeah that fear in the handler is always going to be passed on to a dog plus like all the actions they do so instead you know like you instead of actually having the guts to maybe in again in the professional manner but come closer to a dog yeah if not that you would have just kept hiding behind the cars for (laughs) you know and I've got to the point now and like I'm not actually an anxious person I'm quite a confident person like overall and like I said I've worked with animals like my whole life including like horses that had some issues as well so you think about the size of a horse and things but um it was really 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 stressful um and it made me really like uptight and anxious I would properly like have to run away from situations like often I came home crying all the time I cried in public all the time like very hard but um we're at the point now where literally yesterday I took Bodie out um and a a pug and a little kind of lass app so both like wandered over towards us off lead at two different points during our walk and I just like could loosely use my cues like let's go and just like meandered away let Bodhi kind of look Bodhi was like cool he could just follow me and then eventually the person was like oh they seem like they don't want to interact they kind of pop their dog on me but it was just such a non-issue and before that would have been like a storm (laughs) yeah and see I always ask everyone that I have on here for at the end if you could just like so we're trying to summarize what we said but if there was two or three things that you would tell a person who's listening to this and they're like yeah my dog is literally like acting in the same or like very similar way and I'm just like you where like a year ago lost I don't know what to do um what would be like maybe two or three tips that you would tell them right now so imagine that person and they're asking like what do I do right so is there anything that like you could kind of advise them in particular yeah um I would say one especially if they don't have experience with things like this previously seek professional help because there's a very fine line between flooding your dog and setting them up to fail um so for example if your dog's having these big feelings just bringing them to the park and letting them be bombarded by other dogs um or getting too close or thinking oh well I'll just take them to the cafe and and the dog will be overwhelmed you'll leave overwhelmed and you'll it'll be a disaster there's a fine line between like choosing suitable environments and figuring out their kind of threshold and how to work and manage within that and pushing yourself in appropriate contexts where you're going out of your comfort zone and your dog is as well but they're set up for success because of like the management skills that you've learned 
understanding like your dog's body language and I would there's a lot to it and if you're doing it by yourself like I actually had like a decent background in like training and behavior and learning and I had to learn a lot um so especially if you're newer like or not even necessarily a new a new dog person but if you might have had five perfect dogs in your past like I I've never had a reactive dog and I've had a lot of dogs um it's very hard so I think getting professional advice to find that balance is so important um and to have like your own little cheerleader and someone that you can cry to when you've had a bad walk (laughs) yeah (laughs) that Um, is an important part (laughs) overlooked (laughs) I suppose my second piece of advice would be um meeting your dog's needs is so so important and a lot of people find like a lot of behavior problems come from dogs whose just basic needs aren't met a lot of people think that's just like walking but it's not like digging sniffing shredding chewing freedom of movement all these things like it's so easy to just lock yourself up in your house and be like it's it's too scary out there like rent an enclosed field let your dog run and move freely um find safe context to train with them learn like like what we've done like maybe look into scent detection or maybe look into men trailing like things that are such like beneficial outlets for your dog so that on top of having all these emotions they're not also like struggling with not having outlets for things so I think that's been a really big thing for Bodhi um if he didn't have that I think he could definitely have many more problems than just dog reactivity but even if you look at people you know it's the same isn't it like if you just keep being put into stressful situations and you have no break from it Mm -hmm. no you can't do any enjoyable things yeah you're gonna be a nasty person I can tell yeah Um, but yeah that was amazing I have to stop us here but thank you so much for sharing your journey I feel like I could listen for you for like hours (laughs) (laughs) and there's so much and as I promised we're gonna do another episode on Onyx because there's another whole world (laughs) yeah he's a a whole different kettle of fish (laughs) yeah and and I bet there's loads of dogs like Onyx or like owners that could connect to that as well so we're definitely speaking to you talking to you in the future um but for today thank you thank you thank you so much and this is going to be live very soon perfect thank you so much for having me of course um i'm gonna put your instagram in the description so everyone go check that and yeah that is us brilliant (laughs) thank you thanks bye bye